Now I want to uh, start by taking you back to the autumn of 1982 and Whitford Lodge School. At the time, uh, the eyes of the whole school were upon one boy, Mark, and his amazing ability at rugby. Mark was big, coordinated, and very, very quick. And as such, he was fast getting a reputation for being unstoppable on the rugby pitch. Match after match, the strategy of his teammates was to pass Mark the ball as quickly as possible and then stand back and watch him run to the end of the pitch as quickly as possible. Typically, he skillfully sidestepped the forwards, rebuffed the centres, and sped fa fast past the full-backs until he inevitably reached the try line and scored. In fact, as the, as the season progressed, a sense of excitement began to grow as nobody had managed to tackle Mark effectively. And so, as is the way of uh, these things, schoolboys began to bet. And they bet that Mark would triumph and no one in the whole year would ever be able to stop him. Now, I share this uh, bit of schoolboy reminiscing because as I read through the book of Acts, the same sort of feelings arise with me as they did in 1982. Except in Acts, the focus isn't upon a, a, a trivial game of rugby, but upon the serious business of the advance of the gospel. And for the remainder of our time, uh, just a few minutes, I want us to give us a quick tour of Acts to remind ourselves of the advance and the triumph of the gospel. And let's start near the beginning of the book by looking at Acts chapter 1, verse 8 where we see the risen Jesus talking to his disciples about his kingdom agenda, and he says, chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, firstly, in this verse, we learn that Jesus wants his disciples to witness to him. And in order to do that, well, he promises to help them by giving them his spirit. But secondly, we also learn that Jesus wants his disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Back in verse 6, the disciples have thought God's kingdom in, of him purely in terms of Israel. But here in verse 8, Jesus teaches them that his kingdom is meant to be global. After all, Jesus is the king of all the earth. And as such, he wants his people to go out from Jerusalem to the very ends of the earth, telling the people the gospel as they go, and giving everyone every opportunity to join the kingdom. And that's exactly what we begin to see happening in the rest of the book of Acts. The apostles start preaching the gospel in Jerusalem, and they move out to Judea, Samaria, and beyond, even to Rome, the capital of the empire. And the really encouraging thing for me is that we see the kingdom spreading come what may. 
You see, like Mark, my schoolboy rugby hero, the apostles faced lots of opposition. In Acts, they face religious opposition, economic opposition, internal opposition, violent opposition, judicial opposition, even at one point meteorological opposition. And yet, despite it all, the kingdom keeps on spreading. And Luke draws our attention to this with a number of strategically placed comments throughout the book. I imagine a number of us will have seen these before, but I want to just to look at a few of them again now to remind us and encourage us. So if you've got your Bibles with me, we've looked at 1.8, let's turn to 6 verse 7. Acts 6 verse 7. Now from the uh, beginning of the book until here, the gospel has been advancing through Jerusalem. The early church had faced opposition right from the outset. The apostles had been put in jail and they'd been flogged, but amazingly the opposition didn't hamper the gospel's progress. Because in 6 verse 7 we read, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Well, very soon afterwards, we read of the gospel advancing through Judea and Samaria. And for that, turn on with me to chapter 9, verse 31. 9, 31. Although the opposition had continued to intensify during this period, In 931, we read that the gospel had not been defeated. In fact, quite the opposite. 931, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Next, turn on to chapter 12 and verse 24. And the the, the new frontier now is uh, Antioch. However, by this time, opposition is really brewing back in Jerusalem in the form of King Herod. He intended to destroy the progress of the church by taking out its leaders, James and Peter. But although James is killed, Herod's plans are ultimately frustrated by God. In fact, towards the end of chapter 12, God strikes Herod down. And so in 12 verse 24, we read, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. You see, the advance of the kingdom through the gospel remains on course. Uh, And after Antioch, it continues to advance into Asia Minor through the missionary endeavors of Paul and Barnabas. But it's not long before opposition turns up again in the form of jealous and determined Jews who follow the missionaries around, inciting hatred against them. But yet again, that doesn't affect the gospel's progress. Turn with me to 16 verse 5. 16 verse 5, where we read, So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. And now, on to chapter 19 and verse 20. And by this time, the gospel has at last moved into Europe. 
Again, there is fierce opposition, but despite this, the gospel continues to spread across the continent and God establishes churches such that in 19 verse 20, we're not surprised to read Luke's latest summary statement. 19 verse 20. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Do you get it? Luke's point in Acts is, yes, there's lots of opposition, but the gospel is unstoppable. It keeps on going out. It was towards the end of the autumn term, 1982, and Mark had still not been stopped on the rugby pitch. On one miserable, rainy afternoon, I was put on the opposite team to him. And unfortunately, I found myself standing in his path as he steamed down the pitch towards the try line. Everything went into slow motion as I heard the whole school shouting, you can bring him down, Simon, you're the one. I gritted my teeth and blinked. The next moment I was peeling myself off the ground, bewildered and wondering what had happened. The reality was that Mark had walked straight over me. I don't think he even knew I was there. And by the time I looked around, he was celebrating yet another try. And Axe leaves us with a similar picture. Nothing and no one can stop the gospel and so God's kingdom keeps on growing. That is really encouraging, isn't it? Sometimes we can get so concerned, ground down by the opposition we face that we end up being discouraged, losing perspective. Uh, just this Friday, I was in a meeting in London with a number of pastors from across the country, and the statistic that was read out was that there are less Christian students in our colleges and universities at the moment than there has been for the last few generations. When you hear a statistic like that, it's hard not to be discouraged. But then we need to focus on what the Word of God tells us. And remember that Jesus is bigger and more powerful than all of the opposition that we might face and the setbacks and the discouragements. And in the end, the kingdom will triumph. And so we have no need to be fearful. But our responsibility is to make sure we keep in step with God's plans. That we keep our eyes focused on and our churches moving in line with the big picture. For of course, Acts teaches us that Jesus chooses to build his kingdom by using people to witness to him. We've seen that in the verses we've already looked at, haven't we? 
But he didn't just use the apostles back then, but he continues to use people like us today. Turn with me to the end of the book, chapter 28, Acts 28. And look with me at verses 30 and 31. Now at this point, the Gospels reach Rome. Paul is actually under house arrest in the city, but that doesn't stop the gospel spreading. Look with me at verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Here we see the gospel has reached the capital of the Roman Empire. That is symbolic of going to the ends of the earth, but it was only symbolic. There was more work to be done. And the fact that the book ends with Paul continuing to preach, well, that implies, doesn't it, that the job is yet unfinished. And our role, that is to pick up where the apostles left off and to continue preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth, even Essex. I I like to imagine that if um, this was a film, as Paul talked about Jesus and the book of Acts comes to an end, the camera would begin to pan away from Paul, away from his house, and you see Rome, and then you see Italy, And the more and more of this world would begin to appear in the shot. And as it did, we'd hear an increasing number of voices alongside Paul. Voices speaking of Jesus in a multitude of languages. And eventually, as we kept going back, we'd see England appear on the screen. We'd just be able to make out London and Chessington and even Essex. But the question is, would we hear our voice alongside all the others? You see, the encouragement at the end of Acts is that God's kingdom is unstoppable and it will be triumphant. But the challenge is, will we be part of that advance? Well, my prayer is that this church here in Chessington and also Greenstead and Danbury Mission in Essex, that will be part of the advance. That will join the long line of men and women that stretches back to Acts and will get stuck in with Mission. Of course, that's why we launched Mission Essex, to be part of that. But actually, there's, there's lots of ways in which we can get involved in mission, both in this country and abroad. We can pray for mission. We can financially support mission. We can be radical and consider moving somewhere new for the sake of mission. Or we can simply, but importantly, reach out to those around us, wherever God has currently placed us. There are different ways to be involved. But the important thing is for us to be part of what God is doing in this world. And with that in mind, let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, you know how we can sometimes be discouraged as we look at the state of our society, the state of the church in our country. And yet we thank you that your word reminds us that you are bigger than it all and that your plan and purpose is for the gospel to keep spreading, for it to be ultimately unstoppable and for you to triumph. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we might remember this perspective in the coming week and that we therefore might get on board with your agenda and that the book of Acts might so encourage us to be bold and in the strength of your spirit to seek to reach out to those around us. And we pray this so that we might be caught up and have the joy of being part of your wonderful, expansive purposes and that those we talk to might move from hell to heaven. And we pray all of this for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.